Hey, this is Thor from Cybrary. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or one of our other series like 401 Access Denied or Go For It with Sarah Moffat, then make sure to like, follow, or subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it and you could be featured in a future episode. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. On this episode of the Cyberry Podcast, Mike Gruen and Jonathan Myers sit down with Travis Good and Ryan Rich, co-founders of Hika, a security awareness training company that lives directly in Slack. Travis and Ryan discuss their history in security and ways to keep security training up to date with the ever-changing digital landscape. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Cyberry Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ruin, VP of Engineering and CISO here at Cyberry. And today we're joined by Ryan and Travis from Heika uh, and Jonathan Myers, uh, Principal Engineer at Cyberry. Jonathan, do you want to give a quick intro and then uh, let our guests uh, join in? Yeah. So I'm Jonathan Myers. You may have heard me before on the podcast. I'm the Principal Infrastructure Engineer here at Cyberry. So I'm responsible for all of our cloud infrastructure and protecting and defending that cloud infrastructure from all you learners out there trying to take down the site. Um, today we have... <laughs> Travis and Ryan from Heika. Um, I'll pass it over to you, Travis, for a quick introduction, then over to Ryan. Hey, thanks for uh, having us, guys. We're, we're really excited to, to get on today with you. Um, so I am, uh, I'm Travis Good. I'm the uh, CEO and, and one of the co-founders of Heika. And our mission at Heika is to reinvent security awareness training uh, for modern work. Um, uh, I'll hand it over to, to, to Ryan from here. Yeah, cool. Uh, my name is Ryan Rich. I'm the uh, co-founder and CTO of Heika. Um, and uh, yeah, excited to talk about whatever <laughs> whatever's in store, cybersecurity, I suppose. So. Yeah. Um, why don't we start, Travis, with like a quick background. How did you guys kind of come to the IA training space? Like it's it's kind of a not a super common thing that people tend to go towards. I think there's only like a handful of companies that kind of do it uh, and then even less that do it like well. So it's like an interesting space. So I'm I'm curious how you kind of made your way to that that space. Yeah. So if you asked like teenage Travis what he wanted to be when he grew up, he probably wouldn't have said this. Um, <laughs> but um, even if you asked like you know twenty year old, twenty five, thirty year old Travis, he wouldn't have said this either. But um, the, the the reason the reason why we're in this it, the reason why we're in this space and the reason why um, I mean. Ryan and I really are uh, like passionate about this is that we experienced the pain of this firsthand. So at our last company, uh, we, our last company, there's a company called uh, Datica and, and we built a um, HIPAA compliant, high trust certified uh, platform as a service on top of AWS. So, you know, we, we wanted to make it easier for um, startups and, and some innovation centers to be able to deploy, you know, compliant workloads. Um, and, and despite being focused on, uh, you know, security and on compliance and modern technologies, what we discovered is our employees continually had, uh, uh, just questions every day about what they were doing. Like, could they share this log file in a Zendesk ticket? Could they share this information in a Slack channel? Um, how do they configure new users on, you know, whatever, you know, fill in the blank as a service. Um, and we actually wrote and open sourced our own, uh, training materials. And then on a, you know, like a lot of companies on a quarterly basis, you know, we would do security and privacy lunch and learns for our employees or for specific groups and departments. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we, we felt like the reason we had to do that is, is there wasn't anything that really fit well with, with, uh, you know, 
company, our workforce and the way that we were working, which, you know, in 2013 to 2015, having a, you know, fully cloud-based distributed team was a lot less common than, than in 2021 when everybody looks like that. Um, and so, you know, we really wanted to solve that problem for ourselves. And then, you know, after, uh, after, you know, leaving that last business, figure out a way to, to solve that for more people. So that's how <laughs> long-winded way of saying, uh, or, or talking about how we got into it, because it definitely wasn't something that I think either of us started our careers thinking we'd do. I think the most unique thing about uh, how you guys were operating was that uh, the people at your company were asking questions on whether or not it was okay <laughs> to do this or okay to do that. I think that's that's what really sets you apart. You mean some people uh, would go <laughs> and do stuff? I mean, <laughs> well, we I guess I guess some of the assumption baked into that was if if people were asking, there were probably like twenty that weren't. So, <laughs> so you know, there had to be even more you know lack of knowing than than what we were actually hearing about. <laughs> Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And it's like super interesting because I remember a lot of the like back in what was that 2015, 2016, like most of the IA training that I would go through in like very large banks was like, just go sit in this auditorium, like when you're onboarded and once a year and then just have somebody just click through PowerPoint slides. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's how they like blanket did everything. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> And so I remember like onboarding and it was just like the first like three days you just go to this auditorium and they would just like click through PowerPoint slides. And you know, it's, it's an auditorium that's always too cold or too hot. And so you're just like falling asleep. Like it's impossible to stay awake. Yeah. Um, and so but my super experience was at least that, uh, it was PowerPoints that were delivered directly to me. So I could sit at the comfort of my own laptop <laughs> and click through PowerPoints that were no longer relevant and out of date. You pretend like you're, um, yeah, I mean, it's different <laughs> training, but I think like when Travis and I were at, at, at Datica, uh, like, and we first started to think about, oh, what types of, you know, training do we need for, you know, HIPAA compliance and, and privacy and security. And like some of the examples online, I mean, Granted, yes, fax machines are still used in the majority of like health systems, but trying to adapt that material to like a digital health company that is not using a fax machine. I mean, some of this content is just so far out of date that, uh, yeah, you kind of just need to start from scratch in a lot of cases. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah I, rem yeah, I remember the, the fax machine training as well. And uh, I, I, like, yeah, I was at a company where we were dealing with health records and yeah. um Customers were faxing us uh, their yeah. like beneficiary roles with Her like PHI. social security numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's still a thing, though, right? Like that's oh, that, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, There's like fax yeah. APIs for like actual software, and you know, I mean, it's like yeah, it's a it's it's a problem for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a we had a customer that wanted us to fax them something. Or they oh. needed to fax us something to validate that we were a real company. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, sounds right. It's yeah, we, 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 it was a hardship. We don't have an inbound fax <laughs> anymore. We did it our last base, but we killed that. What was that like a year ago? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In, a, well, in any I'll, event, we should probably move on to the, to the actual security. security. So like, what, what, what do you guys think like sets you sort of apart or like, what's, what's a real like differentiator from, from your perspective? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, I mean, you know, Travis and I are coming to the problem, you know, from a very, you know, specific perspective where, you know, we've ran a company before and we, we tried to model the product and the content, you know, around what we would have wanted to take um, and, and, you know, the product that we would have wanted. And really, uh, you know, where that starts, and this is definitely all credit to Travis, um, was delivering their content, was delivering the content in Slack. Um, and so, you know, that's, that, that, that's kind of the concept of, 
the initial concept of Hika was, you know, how do we take, you know, n- not not just you know security awareness training, but you know, HIPAA privacy training, GDPR training, you know, CCPA, PCI, you know, all these regulations, and deliver that to you know deliver that to employees uh, in a way that isn't disruptive. Um, from a startup perspective, you know, we wanted to get into the market super quick, so you know, building out like you know, kind of like a big LMS or a big web product wasn't really, you know, in the cards for us, you know, starting with Slack is nice because you get, you know, kind of your employee base is already there. They're already using it. You know, you can use, utilize a lot of the, you know, the UI that, you know, Slack provides. So it kind of just made sense. And, you know, I, I think that at least from my perspective, I wasn't necessarily super convinced that this was like really a market. Um, but if you look at the world, I mean, most companies are either using Slack or Microsoft Teams. Um, I mean, there's really not a lot of companies that don't fit into one of those buckets. So it was just a matter of kind of convincing those people that, you know, Slack was a, a, a good delivery mechanism for training and kind of take into the fact that most security awareness training has super low MPS from, from an employee perspective. Um, I think anytime you can kind of improve that employee experience, uh, it is kind of a, a benefit to the admins as well, the people that are assigning the training. So that's kind of like our, our biggest differentiator is, is really in how we deliver it. Now, how that kind of extrapolates to other products and services. I mean, our goal is to really be um, like a headless security awareness training platform, meaning we want to deliver security content to employees when and wherever they are. Um, so that could be, you know, in a Chrome extension, it could be real-time training, you know, in Gmail, um, it could be, you know, integrations into SaaS tools. You know, Travis brought up one of the examples from our previous company where, um, you know, we would constantly get like, you know, PHI sent to us and PII sent to us in support tickets. <laughs> um, and so being able to identify, um, uh, you know, those types of issues and give employees real-time feedback and really operationalizing policies and, and standard operating procedures such that those employees are able to kind of make the decisions that they need to make in real time um, and not necessarily, um, you know, uh, forcing them to kind of go dig through a ton of material um, or ask a question that doesn't get answered for a few days, you know, stuff like that. So, so, so really kind of identifying where employees need training and delivering it uh, in that exact uh, spot. I think that also inter- opens up an interesting thing because as, as we were talking about before where it's sort of sometimes the customers are the ones who are sending the information, right? It's like they've they've done something and now what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're responding in a way that's both appropriate as a, you know, but also educational to them. Like, hey, maybe next time don't send this information in a support ticket. You know, we have the, these other mechanisms for you to to give us that information or, or whatever. So I think from that perspective, there's also... Um, I think a lot of opportunity uh, because, you know, end user, you know, our staff talking to customers, you want to make sure that you sort of play that right and consistent and and so on and so forth. So, yeah, totally. I, I mean, we've even seen customers, you know, you know, now with a lot of new Slack functionality around Slack Connect, where, you know, various different organizations can kind of connect all of their chats together, um, you know, with our with our service, you can assign training to, you know, subcontractors contractors, even just independent, you know, third parties um, that, you know, have access to your Slack, um, you know, Hika can send them, send them training and, you know, send them customer specific training or, you know, whatever you want to send them. We, you know, we, we probably have a piece of content for it. Um, So yeah, it's a, that's certainly an angle. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I think one of the other, like as someone who like runs our uh, security awareness and, and I think the, the, 
the hardest part for me is not so much in the delivery. Like we've got that, it's a, you know, it's on a cadence. Um, it's more on my administrative capability of like, I have to like drop what I'm doing. Like I, if I want to see how things are going, I have to go into a system. Um, whereas I'm sure like you guys probably have some Slack commands or something along those lines that probably make checking up on how, you know, like compliancy things or are people actually complying with the program probably a lot more real time and not something I have to go and do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Travis, you want to take that one? Yeah, so so we we, we try. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's obviously you know, and Ryan focused a lot on this. There's there's you know a focus on on delivering you know content within the context of the work that users that, that learners are are doing, right? So so making it easier to actually take the training. But from an administrative standpoint, we're we're also trying to leverage and automate because we hear this a lot, whether it's nudging for reminders or, you know, just kind of checking up on, on status of things. Right. Um, and so, uh, we do actually build a lot of that into, into Slack. So just the way that Slack apps work now, even just, um, within the home, the the app home screen. So just kind of clicking on the, you know, the, the, the icon in Slack, you can see a summary of all your assigned trainings. You can see, you know, the percent completed, you can download evidence, you can kind of do all that, um, you know, right there in the training. And, and we're trying to do more of that and, and build out more of that functionality uh, around, um, uh, you know, not just, you know, relevant metrics to, to the training itself, but also, you know, risk-based metrics based on, you know, individuals, based on groups, and even based on some of the applications as, as you know, we integrate with applications beyond Slack. So we look at things like Zendesk or uh, via Chrome extension, things like the AWS console or, or Silicon Valley Bank or, you know, all these other different things that we're looking at um, and to build out, uh, you know, certainly more, I don't like the word robust, but I guess it would maybe works here, like robust type, pro, you know, profiles um, at, at different levels within the within the company, from individuals to application up to through groups and, and company level. So, yeah, and, and we want to make it something that you don't. Have so to, what like, I hear you saying. So what I hear you saying is you're uh, you're leveraging the the <laughs> Slack to shift the paradigm and really make a more robust solution. Is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Change the game a bit. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I think it's interesting to to think about like uh, tying into say like Slack groups and maybe even being able to look at like Slack channels and other things to sort of help inform the awareness training and the awareness training to use that information to potentially do. You know, I, I can see the the back and forth between those two things and and being able to maybe even real time get in there. Like, um, you know, we we've shifted over to using. Um, uh, knowledge bases that are integrated right into Slack, right? Where people can ask questions and the yeah. bot will answer and, and stuff like that. And so I can see a very, you know, very, very similar here, but a little more training oriented than than just um, answering the question. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's it's pretty interesting because for it works for, like in our use case, it's, it's very interesting, I think, because like our security team is like relatively small. Um, so it's, it's everybody on this podcast today. Um, so for us to kind of like check up on all these portals and like validate who's doing well and things like that, um, we have to go log in. And then second of all, like, we're still like a relatively small company, like, you know, under a hundred. And so like, we know people's names and like, I can see their name and know exactly what department they're in. Right. Like, but I can see this as you get to like larger and larger companies. Like I start to see these names popping up that are kind of um, you know, hitting positive and like, you know, hitting some risk threshold. And I have no idea what the department they're in, right? So they could be in a like a low risk, 
you know, department like engineering where it's like, okay, yeah, like that's kind of easy to control. They're not inter like interfacing with customers. But then when you start to talk about like finance people or marketing people that have access or sales people that have access to, you know, the sales forces of the world and things like that, that makes it very difficult for us to kind of like triage and like, where do we need to spend our time? Like, where should we be focused? And, you know, sometimes it'll take us half to a full day to kind of like go through some of these reports and figure out like, okay, cool. Like, where's our highest risk areas? Where's our lowest risk areas? And like trying to do that, you know, takes us out of the the fight per se for the day doing, you know, our other jobs yeah. that, you know, we kind of have to do at, at startups. So that's, that's super interesting how it kind of, you know, just lets me know, you know, it's like, it's almost like the infrastructure world where it's, we've started migrating from like these great log aggregators and things like that to where it's, we're kind of just alerting on things we need to know about. Like everything else is kind of just like noise. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know about it. Like I just need to know about certain things like that are important or that, you know, I deem important or things like that. So. Super. Yeah, we, we've gotten a lot of similar feedback. I mean, I think once you get to a certain size, um, you know, you, you basically, <laughs> if you're going to kind of fully like use those metrics and, 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 you know, make them actionable, there's, you almost need like a hire to do it. And so we've gotten a lot of that feedback. So, you know, our, our goal longer term, uh, you know, is, is to be like really intelligent in that way where we're automatically, you know, kind of assigning that risk. And then, starting to make some of those decisions, you know, where you don't have to even look at the the, the dashboards, the metrics to know kind of where to target this training, you know, based on these risk scores, or we know based on these risk scores that these are the people that need this additional training, they need to be enrolled in, um, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it might be, um, and being able to do that in an automated way, because it is just, I mean, like I said, unless you're going to hire like a full time security, you know, trainer, manager, right? And at some point, you know, that, that's, that's justified. But um, you, you, yeah, you need some way to automate that and make that easy for you. And so that that is our goal to, to you know, have people, you know, hire us as, as a product to kind of solve that. Yeah, I think that that fits into the themes of like, kind of how we approach things at Cyber. It's like, we'd rather pay some software to do it, and then just kind of alert a key set of people, because we'd almost, you know, it's, I think, in larger companies, too, especially there's a bunch of shortage in like cybersecurity personnel, And it's like, if I could save a person from just reading reports and like generalizing and, you know, uh, making intelligence out of those reports, like I'd rather pay somebody that can defend my network or do other things like that are more impactful. Well, not more impactful, but like more hands-on, like that actually takes something that a human can like decide and decipher and do things like that. So, Well, I mean, that's sort of what artificial intelligence is, right? It's just automation. Uh, It's a bunch of if statements. We all know (laughs) it's not real intelligence. Um, (laughs) But the more we can automate, the more we can focus humans on actual, you know, on other higher order problems, the more we can get the machine to solve problems that machines are well suited to solve. Um, Yeah, exactly. Like monotonous, like math. (laughs) (laughs) Like that basic stuff. Yeah. I mean, your log example is a good one because it's, you know, it's kind of a signal to noise thing and you get above 100 employees and there's a lot of there's a lot of potential signal, right? And and you're just looking at, you know, one subset of it probably with whatever you're looking at today in terms of like training. I think as you start to collect and, and, and you know, start to gather more like human risk data or application risk data, you know, based on, on human actions, then, you know, it, 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 you get even more noise, right? And so you need to figure out where that, where that signal is. So I, I do think that analogy like works pretty well when it comes to, to human risk, just, you know, the, the log analogy works really well in that context. Yeah. I mean, there's all these reports that keep coming out saying like humans are the greatest risk cybersecurity wise in an organization, like hands down. 
Um, and then at Mike and I's previous company, we did a bunch of like data analytics on like emails, like phone transcripts, chat transcripts, all that kind of stuff. And that was noise, right? And so trying to like narrow those things down uh, was what we we built a platform on top of to kind of like bubble these things up um, because we understood that like people are risk. And then I think the the unknown risk or like the biggest issue that I think you guys are solving is like these things are changing like all the time. Like most people haven't read the, what is it? The CCPA, the California, yeah, whatever thing. Act, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I don't even know the name of it. And like, I've read it, but like it's, there's so many things that are like popping up, like GDPR was like nuts. And so I think a lot of companies are struggling to kind of keep up because it's effectively a new hire to kind of read, parse, and then like understand what's happening there. Um, And so being able to kind of like take those in like bite-sized chunks um, like helps a lot because, you know, understaffed and then it's like bubbling up the lowest risk is like, you know, the standard sales employee or marketing employee, they're not reading these regulations, right? They're just like, oh, that's and, and some no, nerd And nor thing. should they. I mean, like, let's, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, right? Like, that's, and I think that's what Jonathan was hitting on earlier is like, yeah. the engineers who have the most access are actually the easiest for us to control because we control their access. We control all of these things, but it's the the sort of employees on the edge that are actually you know, they're just trying to do their job and we want to make it possible for them to do that job and not have to think everything all through. And so I think that's, you know, again, security awareness is, a, is an important part. I think it's really hard to accept, to tell people, oh, just be vigilant all the time. Don't click on links. Like, oh, if you don't recognize the email, you know, who the sender is, don't open the email. I'm in sales. Like, what do you think I'm going to, like, it's an inbound email. Like, I have to open yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But don't click yeah. the link and then fill out your password, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's it's like it's almost like the context, right? Like what do I need to know about these regulations and the context the context of my job, mm-hmm. right? Like it's yeah. all I care about. Like I don't need right. to read like 9,000 pages of filler that people add to fluff, right? Like it's like when you write your college English papers. It's like 90% fluff to make it seem like you're talking formal and all this other stuff and it's like, well, no, just give me like the four sentences of like what the key things are, right? Like I just want the thematic intent of this like document, like just give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, there was a yeah. there was a great document or I guess you'd call it like a blog post or a guide that came out a couple years ago uh when GDPR went into effect and it was like GDPR for product managers. And it basically cut it down to like, here's literally what you need to do for your product in order to comply with GDPR. Um, and I think that's like just just that concept, but apply that to say, you know, sales, marketing, you know, whatever else. Um, you know, that's the type of content that we are writing and will continue to write. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, that's, I mean, because if you try to read some of this stuff, I mean, it, it it's it's worse than like, you know, your your English paper, right? It's It's literally just lawyer jargon. Um, and so like, even to understand what some of it is, you'd need, you know, at least like a, somewhat of a law degree, uh, well, <laughs> like right. an and IV I mean, of caffeine to stop you from falling asleep. Like. Yeah. And then there's all the other problems because it's, it's, it's ambiguous. I think GDPR in particular, this is my standpoint. This is my opinion. I'll state my opinion. Um, <laughs> the GDPR was intentionally written ambiguously because, and, and because they want it to apply to the world. And so it's yeah. not really clear. Does this apply to people in the EU, citizens of the EU, people traveling through the EU at the time, you know, all of these different things. And so I think, you know, the more we can sort of distill things down, and I think the, the other aspect is, okay, so take that blog post, for example, it does a great job of boiling down GDPR for product managers. And I'm sure we could do a similar GDPR for marketing and a GDPR for sales. But then you have GDPR, you have CC, whatever, the California one, you have HIPAA, you have all the different ones. And so somebody who can sort of aggregate that all together and just give me, just give me the sales, like 
just give me based on my domain, based on what I need to do. Like, and I don't even need to know, does this come from GDPR? Or does this come from some US law? I just need to know what can I do? What can't I do? And be done with it, um, given my role. Um, and so, yeah, organizations that can help with that are, are, are critical especially yeah. in this ever-changing. And as with GDPR, I'm just waiting for lawsuits, right? Like, and same thing with the California <laughs> one. Basically, lawsuits are what's going to decide what the yeah. actual law is, which is unfortunate yeah. and a whole nother problem. But that's what happens when you have laws written by lawyers. Um, yeah. That's just my feeling. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what's going to interpret them, um, right. essentially, and make them actionable. And so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And the, the challenge at this point is for companies, and, you know, to Ryan's point about the, the blog post for, for product managers. Yeah, I mean, it's it, at this point, and the challenge for us, and, and we try to do this in like a, a light touch way, you know, is to do some interpreting, right? Like, because, you know, mm-hmm. your support folks do need to understand some amount of like data subject rights issues. If you're working, if, if GDPR is relevant to you, right? And you're working with you know, folks in the EU. Um, and, and so how do you kind of distill that down and to some degree, you know, interpret what can be interpreted? <laughs> uh, because yeah, it's, it's I, I agree with you. You do have to kind of, it is going to be interpreted based on the, you know, lawsuits and, and things like that. But like at some point, like there needs to be something actionable, you know, today, pre-lawsuit <laughs> that people have to work with. Right. Um, and, and, you know, so yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to start to, to scratch the surface and solve that. But it's, you know, even, even for a company that's focused on that, for us, that's challenging to do because there is just so much out there, both in terms of regulations, but then in terms of specificity based on job function. It's, it's kind of incredible actually right yeah no i yeah, I, I don't doubt it because i've been trying to distill it for our team and and same thing it was just there's just mountains of information and and i know specific like and i'm trying to go all the way down to like the the technology level right like we yeah. use these various third-party SaaS, and it's like oh is this is this just used for support purposes in which case we can put pi in there or is this like used for tracking is it you know like there's all yeah. you know, like it's so subtle and difficult. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, and it's a challenge everybody's yeah, facing. So yeah, uh, we're trying to do our part to help. So yeah, I tried, I tried to push really hard for us just to cut off the EU, but that didn't, that didn't <laughs> we almost did. Tried to put we almost did. EU firewall. Yeah. Just like, yeah, we'll just take the hit, you know, until we can, we can figure it out. Um, I think it's I think it's super interesting what you guys are talking about, like how you're talking about more Chrome extension and like kind of like this context, like of where you're at and things like that. It it seems like a better way of doing what uh, people have been screwing up for the last like what five ten years now. Um, when we saw the recent one, yeah. Well, we saw the recent one with the phishing emails, right? Where it's like the the UK train company was like sent a phishing scam out to people and was like, "Oh, thanks for working through the COVID pandemic. Here's a bonus," and then they <laughs> yeah. just like punished everybody for clicking the link, you know. And it's like, I feel like something needs to change because I I feel like we see these like every year pop up and nobody's really learning. Like some guys like, "Oh, I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna get them," you know. Yeah. And it's <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, truthfully, to give to give. Um, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot about it and you, and you mentioned it too. Like, I mean, there's all these reports, employees, you know, human risk, employees at risk, human vulnerability, all these words, you know, to, 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 you know, get back a little to the employees. I mean, they're constantly under attack, right? Oh, like yeah, whether right. it's be efficient. I mean, it's, it's, and, and kind of what we're putting on them, like as we push more control down in terms of what they can do in these tools in terms of, you know, just functionality, but then also configuration. And then 
just the sort of consistent onslaught. <laughs> like if you make this mistake, it'll cost us and you don't even know it's a mistake yet. I mean, it's a, it's a really challenging right. environment to work in. And so, um, yeah. And so leveling that playing field is, is hard. I mean, you open an email, I, no matter who you are, right? You could be a security person. You open an email while you're in a rush at, you know, 6 a.m. when you're trying to run out of the office or whatever, wherever you are, like you're not thinking about like, let me inspect this domain. <laughs> you know, you're just thinking about how do I work right. my way through this inbox? Well, and I think that's the, I mean, my, my feeling is when it comes to like awareness training, stuff like that, it, it should really focus more on the after action. Like, what do you do? Like, it's not so much don't click these links. Like it's impossible. I went to a great um, black hat talk about it was a security researcher who hired a company to Fisher. And she's like, I knew for the next four weeks I was going to be under attack. And I knew there was going to be like four of them. And I, she knew everything needed to know to defend herself. And yet she fell for three out of the four attacks, right? Like, because it's almost impossible to be vigilant. And the more important part is what do you do in the, like knowing what to do if you did fall victim, as opposed to feeling like, getting punished for not, you know, for, for doing whatever. And I, I know like it, there was a company I worked at where, um, I, I was using a Mac. They were mostly windows based and I got like punished with additional hours of training because I didn't report a phishing email, but that's because there was no way for me to report it. I saw the email as like, Oh, that looks like a thing that I'm just going to delete and ignore, which seemed like the reasonable thing to do. But apparently I should have like, reported it even though i don't have that capability in my uh in your email outlook. client yeah, yeah, right. yeah well i wasn't running outlook um and so but anyway but like but that's the type of thing is just like more positive reinforcement for doing the right thing or you know we're all gonna fall victim like there's there's nothing you can do and, and you shouldn't feel you know feel bad or, or beat yourself up yes try to avoid it as much as possible but like let's not focus on punishing people or making them feel dumb for, for, for falling for things. And it can kind of have an opposite yeah. effect. I mean, we even had, I mean, we, you know, we talked to a lot of different companies and, you know, we've, we've had some that are like, Hey, how do I get people to stop reporting legitimate emails as spam? <laughs> so like, they're like, we send out internal emails all the time and like 50% of them get reported as spam. And I was like, what are you guys writing in those emails? Are you, are you like, like, are you offering like employee gift cards? And he's like, yeah, actually I think one was like an employee. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we had a similar thing where somebody we uh, because we use Slack for for all internal communications. We like internal email. Like I'm a uh, I'm a dictator, and like we'll come down on people for doing it. And so, like the one time we did send some like emails with like, hey, here's a gift card or whatever. I think there were a couple of people who reported it as spam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like a DoorDash gift card or something. Like, yeah, yeah, it was it was like hey, dash. thanks for like, you know, I know we're all remote now. Like, treat yourself to lunch, you know. And it was like, oh no, no. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Click this link, fill out your information, and we'll send you a DoorDash <laughs> gift card. And then I think another thing that like we don't really we don't really talk about a lot for like these employees that are on on the front lines is the availability to like sensitive data and just analytics that you know you didn't have five years ago and i don't think people understand like how i don't want to say like sensitive but like important and like you know in the grand scheme if somebody were to get this data like it seems very important but to you it's just like oh they clicked on this link like you just have like user actions on your web page and you're like oh that's not really important but like as you start to get more and more data that you know i guess is tracking people per se because you can connect the dots um that 
people just don't, I don't think people like innately understand like, oh, this is like super sensitive data because in their mind, oh, it's not a credit card number. It's not a social security number. It's not like email, phone number, anything like that. It's more of like this higher level data that you can use in aggregate to kind of, you know, do some things. Um, I don't think we kind of, we don't, we don't really identify that as well as we should. Um, and then it just gets easier and easier, right? Like we have data lakes that people have access to, you know, that just contain like everything. And people are like, oh, I'm going to make a report and I'll just export it, you know? And it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's stuff that, I mean, it is stuff that's like, I mean, seemingly for your, you know, for, for people's specific job functions, seemingly super benign, right? Like dumping a report from a, you know, data lake or, or dumping like a, uh, a lead list from HubSpot or, or, you right. know, Salesforce, you're just like, Oh, I'll just dump it and put it here. And you're like, well, where, <laughs> but yeah, right. you don't, I mean, it's, it's like, well, look, I just, I, I need to put this into something so I can, you know, run some analytics or some report or something on it where, you know, on a platform I know. And yeah, it's really hard to kind of see the, I mean, the forest for the trees, because you just basically need <laughs> some data from that lead list and you can't get it, you know, easily, you know, in the functionality of the app. And so, yeah, I, I totally get it. And and it, that's a, that's a much harder problem to solve too. Cause how do you, I mean, how do you realize, you know, you know, the, a, a, how do you make people realize it's not even just like be vigilant. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, how do you, how do you enable people to do stuff um, in today's world where there's data everywhere right. and do it in a way that doesn't put that data at risk? Well, and the other, the other aspect of it, I think is, um, things have changed because of the laws. So now all of a sudden there are substantial financial penalties. It's not just the risk of the data being breached. And we all agree, we don't want that. And we don't want this, these email addresses out there. Yeah. But now the risk is so much higher because of GDPR and, and other laws um, that like, I think, you know, um, just talking to people who've been in the industry for a long time, don't realize like, Oh yeah, I know you could do this three years ago and it wasn't that big a deal to dump that lead list into like a Google sheet or an Excel file and just keep it on your hard drive. Like it wasn't that big a deal, but, but the laws have changed and yeah. like now we can get like, we can, that could be an out of business event. Uh, yeah. you know, if something bad were to happen to that, that list. And so I think that's the other thing is just like getting people to recognize that like, yeah, I know you've been doing this for 10 years and this is the way you've always done it. But like, we're in a new world now where that's not okay. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, that's, that's I mean, definitely a challenge. Yeah. And I mean, I think a, a lot of those types of actions also promote like bad hygiene from those employees, like even for their own personal use. Um, like I was talking to somebody last week about an employee that like breached their social security number to all 2000 internal employees because they put their W2 on a shareable file within G drive. Right. And they just thought they were like storing their W2 like in G drive, but it was like to a globally shareable directory. And like, they didn't really know it at first. Right. But then like, you know, then there's, you know, their, their CISO had to like sit down and write, you know, like, like some training. I'm like, Hey, here's, you know, here's stuff that we don't put in, you know, even though you may have gotten your W2 as a PDF in a G, in a G drive folder that was specifically shared with you by HR, you know, don't move it to this other one that has, you know, yeah. where everyone has access. Well, this is super interesting, right? Because it's like we're coming back around to like the first share drives that were around, you know, like yeah. when I was in college, right? Like share drives were a thing. And it, and it was like, it took people like time to learn that like, oh, not every drive is the same. Like there's, everybody can access these. And then we got rid of that for a while, right? Like share drives kind of went away in a lot mm -hmm. of places. And, you know, people these days don't have them because everything's in, you know, Google and things like that. And so now we're back to like, oh, now we have shared drives again. Let's, you know, let's throw drive stuff back on there. So 
And then I think another issue with like a lot of these data, these data problems is um, some of the software like really hasn't caught up, right? Because they kind of do this like shared responsibility model where it's like, oh, we'll let you download the data. But once you do that, like that's on you, right? And it's like, well, you know, marketing company X, you could just stop you know, you could create a role that doesn't allow certain employees to export data from your platform, right? Like that's yeah. that's the easy fix. So from like the IT side, we're trying to figure out like, well, how can we corral employees enough to not do bad things, right? But there's always new software and there's all this stuff that's out there and they don't all have the option. And it's not really something that IT can say like, no, we're not going to use this major marketing platform anymore because they allow you to export data, right? Like, marketing leads going to be like, no, we're still going to use this platform. Right. And so it's, it's that kind of like balance and catching all these like weird edge cases where it's, it's super important because then, you know, people are thinking about it, like as they're doing it, even if it's not like at the front of their mind, they're like, Hey, maybe this isn't right. I should go check with somebody. And I think that's the, that's the ultimate goal. But the entire concept of like shared responsibility, like I get it. Right. And I, I certainly get it like from a, you know, a cloud, like, uh, you know, infrastructure perspective. And then, you know, similarly, like the example you gave, you know, in terms of a SaaS, you know, uh, shared responsibility model, you know, at the same time, it's really like, ultimately what you're saying is like individuals now have the power to do all these things. And like these companies that are hosting this aren't responsible, <laughs> you know? And so there's this kind of right. opaque shared response, which I get the need for it. But at the same time, you know, it's it's pushed all the responsibility on the users and ultimately the the, the companies that are paying for these these platforms. Um, and and you know, they're they're challenging enough for like you know IT people to understand when it comes to like a you know like a, a cloud shared responsibility model for you know AWS or Azure or GCP or whatever. But then you take that down to like a marketing manager or just a marketing person who's using these things to interpret like oh. I get it. Like I click this link, I'm exporting this. Like this is now my responsibility. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's a it's a whole can of worms that like I don't know what the cart before the horse, chicken egg problem, but there's a sequencing problem here, um, which is like very significant. I guess I hadn't thought about it as much uh, in terms of the the SaaS shared configuration. Ryan and I have a lot of experience with the you know sort of at our last company with the cloud, um, you know, the shared uh, shared responsibility models. But it's super interesting to think about that in terms of you know, pushing down um, uh, responsibilities and, and, and accountability and things like that to, to SaaS management. That's, you know, <laughs> a whole nother can of worms. I yeah. mean, the, the, the nice thing is, I mean, like from, you know, it is truly a shared responsibility in the sense of like, okay, cool. They're going to make sure they're, they're responsible in theory for defending this against everyone outside of your organization. They're sort of promising we're only going to give access to you guys. However, yeah. That's where we're stopping, and it's on you to figure it out the rest of the way. I just wish they gave us better tooling for managing that part of that responsibility. Um, And in some cases, I do recommend everybody really dig deep on any of the SaaS platforms uh, because a lot of times uh, what they sort of do or say, um, it's not truly shared. You know, there's there's definitely gaps, and sometimes there's some information that maybe – they're not really protecting as, as well as they should. I'm not <laughs> going to point fingers, but you definitely just can't just take it for granted that they're going to do their job. Um, so, uh, but assuming that you do find some good vendors, like it's still, they're just not giving you all the tools you really need in order to, to help your users, your staff be, um, you know, vigilant. Or they and, charge you and, extra for it. Yeah. Or Right. Or wow. they charge you extra for it. <laughs> Oh, are we gonna talk, is it, are we gonna jump up on uh, on uh, SSO should be uh, free by default? Uh, yeah, it should be free by default, that, everybody. That's, like, that's, we're that's past that point in life, right? Like that's the one <laughs> that's enterprise my... feature, though. 
how else we'll right. that <laughs> Well, you probably shouldn't have an enterprise software company then if that's like your feature, right? Like that's the differentiator. Like we're that's, past that that's point. The one. That, that's just my yeah, internal that, – that's Jonathan and I's soapbox. Uh, you know, you don't have to jump on it if you don't want to. But. Yeah, we're still at the yeah, point yeah. where we still have to fight that fight and people are still like, but their software is so good. Like we just need it and we're all going to share a username and password. And you're just like, come on, people. Like I can't. <laughs> I can't help you here. It's like, you know, like, oh, is it just one person on your team using it? No, we're going to share it with 30 people, you know, and it's like, <laughs> come on. And so I think Mike's been successfully at negotiating some companies to throw it in mm. for, for a free effectively because of certain things, but like yeah. nobody has that negotiating power. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. But there are some new like data lakes out there, I guess, that have that have started getting to that point where it's like every individual record has like access control to it, um, which is good to see. Like companies like that kind of starting up and like taking market share away from the larger companies that just kind of like, oh, we just we just you know everything's the same. It's there's three set roles and that's that's it. You know, it's right. admin, user, and reader, right. and it's like that's that's the extent. You can't differentiate which customers they can see and things like that. So. I, I'm, I'm glad that's kind of making it. Yeah. Thanks, Travis and uh, Ryan, for joining us today. It was a great conversation. Um, Mike always loves to get to talk to somebody else that believes in the IA training and things that he does. Um, so fun discussions. <laughs> um, anything closing closing statements or anything you guys got? You know, thank you guys. We, we you know, love having uh, the opportunity to, to, to connect with you guys and, and talk a bit about this stuff. And um, yeah, I, I think it's exciting times. A lot of stuff we talked about is stuff that I think you know, is going to be changing as now every industry is essentially regulated because the data is all regulated. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch over the next five or 10 years, the technology start to catch up. Uh, so yeah, no, you can't. So, so yeah, if you, if you guys are interested, um, the website is, well, it's Heika, but I'll have to spell it. Uh, so it's H A E K K A, uh, com. And so, uh, you can go there, you can actually download and install it and, and give it a run, uh, for free. Uh, up to about 10 users. So a lot of security teams in larger companies will kind of test it internally, security or IT teams. Um, and, you know, then you can kind of deploy it uh, across Slack, assigning stuff to, to channels or, you know, however you want to assign stuff out. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, we'd, we'd, you know, love you to give it a try and, and love feedback on it. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. guys. We'll see you next Thank time you, on the, the Cybrary podcast. Right. See you guys. Right. Bye. Bye. Cybrary. The premier cybersecurity skill development platform is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.